Hi there. I'm Eddie Cohn, host of this podcast, my own podcast. I felt like I should record an intro to, to introduce my own podcast. And you'll understand why in a moment here. I actually recorded this podcast that you're about to listen to about a week ago before my trip to Alaska. And I think I'm going to record a few podcasts talking about health and mental health. And this will be the first in the collection, in the series. But I did feel it was important to preface this podcast that you're about to listen to. As I say in the podcast, and I'll tell you right now, I'm not a doctor, not board certified. But I do think through my own experience, I've taught myself a lot of tools to bring more awareness to my mind and to my body. And that ultimately is what I'm hoping you will get out of today's episode, as well as these next couple of episodes that will follow. On my plane ride back from Seattle to LA, I was trying to listen to a bit of Dr. Huberman on the Rick Rubin podcast, but I was, you know, for lack of a better word, getting bored, and it was getting caught up in a lot of minutia that just wasn't really interesting to me. I'm trying to learn a little bit more about how light and sun and cold and heat therapy can improve my health even more. But my point here, I want to bring up two points. You know, you can listen to all these podcasts where Joe Rogan has all these amazing guests and Rick Rubin will speak to Dr. Huberman. You'll read the Peter Atia book, which I'll talk about a little bit on today's show, which is fantastic. I think there's a cultural phenomenon happening right now where people are consuming constantly. And they think by consuming these podcasts um, with Dr. Huberman or all these famous physicians, that that's going to change their own life. But what I think it's doing is it's, it's taking people away from self-awareness. Or by just listening to a podcast, one will think that that's going to take them down the path to better health. And to be healthier takes an extraordinary amount of self-discipline and self-awareness. I'm hoping these few episodes will get your mind off of listening, will get your mind off of your phone, will get your mind, and I don't mean this in a selfish way, onto yourself. You need to start experimenting with how you feel about yourself. You have to start experimenting with not meditating, you know, sitting still for 10 minutes, but actually maybe journaling at the end of a day or at the end of a week. I'd suggest a day. How did you feel that day? Are you even aware of your feelings? Or are you on your phone all day consuming TikTok videos that when you're actually putting your phone down, you're just exhausted. Like, are, do, you have, do you even have the awareness to realize at the end of the day why you're tired? Is it because you work for 10 hours, you ate really terribly, uh, you did an exercise, and in your free time, all you did is sit on a couch and watch YouTube videos or Netflix? Because you're probably tired for all of those reasons. Did you get, a, did you get enough sleep? Are you aware of why you're feeling anxious? 
When's the last time you sat and did absolutely nothing but just listen to music? Because hopefully that would relax you. Are you aware of your day-to-day feelings? You know, even, you know, stare yourself in the mirror, take off all your clothes and look at yourself in the mirror. How does that make you feel? Do you feel good? Do you feel confident? Or do you feel incredibly insecure? And if you do feel insecure, are you going to do anything about it? Beyond the, the superficial, oh, you wish your belly was not as big, you wish you had better abs, stronger arms, how do you feel? And then do you feel motivated to want to look better, which will ultimately make you feel better? Do you have any interest in doing those things? Maybe you had a stomach ache tomorrow. Why did you have a stomach ache? Did you eat hamburgers? Did you drink soft drinks and, and high fructose corn syrup and sugary you know, snacks and drinks all day? And if you did feel that way, are you interested in changing? This is, you know, at some point, and this goes to, you know, creating music and, and writing books and, and being a creator of new content, at some point you need to stop consuming and make something for yourself. And at some point you need to stop listening to all these podcasts and listening to all these gurus and every yoga teacher thinks that they should, that you should go to their class. At some point you need to make a decision for yourself and try and understand why you're feeling particular ways every day. Why are you tired? Why are you happy? Why do you have a stomach ache? Why does your back hurt? Why do you feel fantastic? And I, I think this is a process. I, I would suggest doing this for a month every day, journaling how you felt that particular day and take notice of what you ate. Did you exercise? How much were you staring at your phone? And see how these correlate to your health. So that's, that's number one. Number two, I realize all of this is incredibly complicated. I was in Alaska, and one of our friends is married to a doctor. And I start, I, I, well, he's, he's in residency right now to become an ophthalmologist. And I just had eye surgery, and I love talking about healthcare. So he and I were getting into this discussion about health and how, in many scenarios, physicians can be miracle workers. Like in my case, able to take a, a, a cataract out of my eye and implant a new lens is phenomenal, is a miracle. But then I told him about my love-hate relationship with the healthcare system and how so often it's, it's really about prescribing, getting a diagnosis, and giving people pills. And that's about it. And, and people are sort of left on their own to, to make sense of this incredibly complicated world of medicine. You know, I'm simplifying it a little bit, but there really isn't an in-depth examination of why people are getting sick. And we are one of the only countries in the world that allows prescription medication to be advertised on television. And I was bringing up COVID, our response. I was talking about nobody is, is talking about eating better, eating well, exercising every day. And his response is, you know, you're right, 
But I see so many patients at, at county, at LA County, and it's already too late. Or they don't make enough money. And they can't exercise. They don't have the they don't have enough time in the day to exercise. Or they're not making enough money. Uh, they have to work two jobs. The easiest thing for them is to just take a pill, or they are so far down the path of type 2 diabetes that diet and exercise is not enough. Or some people are just so incredibly sick, they have kidney disease, um, they have NASH, they have NAFLD, that it's too late. All of these suggestions that I'm offering on this podcast are not going to work. Or he'll even say, I don't want to say the word lazy, but they're just not interested. They're too busy. It's much easier to take a pill. But wouldn't it be great to, again, I realize so many layers here. When you live in a capitalistic society, when people have two jobs, when people have kids, when people don't have time to exercise, when healthy food is too expensive, I realize this is far too complicated, but what if you could just help people a little bit, I said to him, by offering simple techniques or simple alternatives to the medication, to the pills, to the shots? And I realize food is expensive, healthier food is expensive, but maybe just a walk every day. Maybe reaching for fruit or a banana. I mean, bananas to me are probably about as inexpensive as you can get when it comes to fruit. Organic strawberries can be crazy expensive, but you can't just, just getting people to stop reaching for sugar, moving their hands towards strawberries, getting rid of soda. I mean, all these terrible drinks these sugary drinks are put into school systems so kids are sucking on Coca-Cola and Pepsi at the age of three. It's, it's so complicated, but we're talking little steps to make people feel better and to bring awareness. Does, does, do you have any interest in feeling better or are you too overwhelmed? Is it, is it too much to handle and you would rather just take a pill? Or do you want to live a long, full, energetic life for 80, 90, 95 years? And if you do, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of discipline. And this doctor friend and, and I fully agree that you know the system is broken, but there is a way to try and get people to stop relying wholeheartedly only on the medical community. People need to become more self-aware and educated on alternatives to the healthcare system here in America. And it is a business, and it's ruthlessly connected to the, um, to the insurance industry. There's so many blurry lines here, and it's complicated. gets a little, it toes the line of, are they wanting you to feel better, or are they wanting you to be a part of that healthcare system where you become reliant on pills for the rest of your life? So I wanted to preface my podcast to sit today by saying, I know this is complicated. I know there's no easy fix, but hopefully these next podcasts over the next few weeks are going to help you become interested in your mind and your body and hopefully wanting you to become more self-aware. So I'll leave you with that. 
You know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll be back over the next few weeks with a few more episodes about health and mental health. Enjoy. Talk to you soon. Episode 238 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. Thrilled you're here today as you join me on this exploration of today, health, with a little bit of focus on mental health. Um, I just actually also, by the way, released a podcast, my last one about music, which I really am proud of. I think it, it turned out really well. Is I sort of harken back to my first few podcast episodes, which you can still listen to, I think, wow, uh, boy, have I come a long way. And, and I'm not trying to shower blandishments at myself, um, but I think, you know, it takes time to, to get good, for lack of a better word, get good at the craft of, of recording podcasts, at articulating your thoughts. Um, and, and I, I, for better or for worse, seem to tackle very complex and very personal issues. And so as I talk about health today, you know, I'm certainly not a doctor. However, I do think I have put in a lot of work in understanding my body, the physical makeup of my body, as well as the emotional um sometimes circus, but the emotional layers to to my mind. And I don't even mean necessarily going to therapy, which I've certainly done in the past. But I think to really get an understanding of what makes you feel good, there is a lot of trial and error. There is a lot of using the internet to explore different modalities, different alternatives, beyond just going to a doctor. I've had a lot of experience with the white coat world. And I think I've had some wonderful experiences, you know, getting a wisdom tooth pulled. Obviously, I want to go to a board certified oral surgeon. Uh, I broke my ankle a few years ago. Obviously, I want to go to an orthopedist uh, or an orthopedic surgeon. And if you are not feeling well, or if you have back pain, or you have blood in your urine or in your stool, I think, of course, it probably makes sense to go to a physician. You know, I have some people in my life pretty close to me that have had some pretty dramatic health scares that have come up over the last few weeks. And so it's, it's on my mind. I've also sort of crossed this threshold, uh, a certain age in my life where health is, I mean, health has always been a pretty big part of my life. I've placed a high value on my health. But once you reach certain ages, be it 30, 40, 50, 60, I think it's sort of um, a bit of a slap to the face. We're like, hey, hello, like like these choices that you're making now, that hamburger that you're eating three or four times a week, uh, the idea that you're sedentary for uh, six days a week, 
you know, that's potentially going to catch up on you when you're maybe 10 years older. And, and, and I want to live a vivacious life as long as I can, at least till I'm 80 or 90 if I can. My uncle and aunt were just out here in Los Angeles, and they're 82 and 80. And they just got back from Europe, and they're climbing stairs, and they're taking Ubers, and they're traveling across the country. And, you know, it's certainly not easy, but they look like they're doing it with with lots of energy, and, and, and they look pretty... Uh, alive they look they they're filled with energy that's inspiring to me i want to be like that and so that's why i just you know personalize it a bit exercise pretty much every day about an hour um be it my bike lifting weights swimming riding my peloton um, doing yoga it's, it's having such a profound effect on my life. I, I've started doing ice baths two or three times a week. Um, I like to do a lot of interval training, sprinting, uh, as I said, swimming. I, I go to acupuncture regularly. I take a lot of vitamins. I take supplements. I, I eat a lot of protein, a lot of fish, a lot of fruits and vegetables. I'll indulge in, in meat probably twice a month. Um, typically, my protein comes from eggs and uh, fish, chicken, mostly fish. So I say all of this. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I really think we are sort of at this crossroads now where, and I'm encouraged by this, it was a little sticky maybe three years ago with covid because uh, I think people are really having a hard time hearing, oh, maybe you shouldn't necessarily listen to Dr. Fauci, or maybe you don't necessarily need the vaccine, or maybe get the vaccine, but maybe you wouldn't have such uh, harmful effects on your body if you didn't eat sugar smacks or had Coca-Cola six times a week, or maybe if you weren't staring, sorry, my cat's just screaming in the background. Maybe if you weren't staring at Netflix, you know, three, four hours a day, and maybe just an hour a day, but actually exercised an hour a day, maybe um, you wouldn't be diabetic, which could then potentially lead to a terrible case of COVID. Now, I realize that some people get COVID, and even if they have the vaccine, they have a terrible case. I guess my point is, is that there's so many variables to this. You don't know, but I firmly believe, you know, I got COVID. I'm not going to get too much in the details, but, you know, there was a couple bad days. Probably took me three or four weeks to fully feel like myself. Um, but I'd say there was about two really bad days, a week where my energy was pretty low. And then within a few weeks, I was pretty much back to normal. And I think a lot of it is because I really take care of myself. And I eat well and I sleep well. I mean, there's just so many variables going on. So I bring all of this up because, well, for many reasons, but also colon cancer was a topic of, of, of discussion that I've had with a few friends because, you know, when you turn 50, you're supposed to get a colon cancer screening. So I spoke to somebody in my family who's 53 and he hasn't been to the doctor in almost 25 years. And his parents, 
Um, I don't know too much about his parents, but his parents were the type where if something goes wrong, they're going to let it run its course um, and, and, and really not go to the doctor unless you know, you're almost on your deathbed. And then I have another friend who's 47 who just got his colon uh, cancer screening. And, you know, he's sort of playing this very cautious approach, or, or he had this cautious approach. And then I sort of come from the lineage in my life where doctors, you know, if anything comes up, go immediately to the doctor, see what's going on. And that's sort of how I was raised, and that's how my childhood was. And um, I've, I've sort of taken a step back from that approach over the last 20 years or so. So much focus is on the physical aspects of health, but I think we have collectively ignored and done a terrible job when it comes to mental health. And that's sort of why I was so critical of of the draconian measures that our society took during COVID. Not only necessarily the the measures, but the nonstop coverage. If if all you're reading or I know Leo, if all you're subjecting your brain to is nonstop coverage of a potentially serious disease. I'm not talking about getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. Do what you will. I have friends that have gotten it. I have friends that have not. But what is the mental impact of seeing or reading about that every day? What is the cultural impact or the psychological impact if wherever you go, people are wearing masks? How is that impacting your anxiety levels? How is that impacting your fear? What is happening in your body and your mind if you are not doing any of your own investigative research, if you're only listening to a board-certified physician? Boy, my, my cat's really, he's really talkative today. Again, through my experience, and it's taken me a long time to get here, I just got back from acupuncture, I, I believe the pie should be about 35% each. 35% you go by your own gut instinct. 35% let's devote energy towards the world of, of the board-certified medicine uh, uh, doctors. And 35% should go to yoga, um, exercise, acupuncture, alternative modalities. And that collectively should be, I would, I would think, an appropriate way to approach health. And then one more pie that I want to talk about. It should be, I think now at this point, 60%, 65% should be devoted to your mental health and, and 35% to your physical health. And let me try and explain that a little bit more. I want you to pay attention to the stimuli in our society and how they affect your mental health. This could be being around certain people. This could be watching particular shows. Do you have your cell phone on uh, and are you looking at it that hour before you go to bed? Even do you have pets? My cats bring me so much joy. 
That always makes me feel better when I come home and hang out with my cats. Music makes me feel better. I just, you know, re- recorded a podcast about the euphoric, uplifting effects that music has on my life. So before you, you know, if you have an ache or a pain, before you just immediately go to the doctor, maybe have a little bit more internal dialogue going on, or, or maybe have some awareness like, huh, how, why is my back hurting me? Is it potentially the chair that I have? Is it um, maybe I'm sitting too much? Is, is something uncomfortable? Or are you immediately just going to go to the doctor and, and have them take x-rays, uh, maybe give you pain pills? I think I've, I've just become frustrated with the medical world because, and, and there's somebody very close to me who has been a part of the medical world or has received treatment from the medical uh, world for most of his life. And I firmly believe if all of your maladies are only looked at by the white coat world, you are going to be treated um, not in a unique way, but in sort of this blanket, one method fits all way where they're going to prescribe medication. And if it doesn't go away, then they're going to prescribe more medication. And if it still doesn't go away, uh, doesn't go away, they're going to start doing more investigative research, maybe biopsies, uh, x-rays, maybe MRIs, maybe surgery. And I think it's over. I think then once you sort of spiral into that world of the medical field, um, it's really challenging for people to get out. It's really hard for people to imagine that maybe a herbalist, a naturopath, or a acupuncturist, or a chiropractor, or a massage therapist could actually be could actually be more beneficial to your health than a doctor, a traditional internal medicine doctor. And it look, it takes. A lot of rewiring. I think our our world, our culture, is being wired to trust the doctor. And I think it, it started many years ago. We imagine because they've gone to more medical school than us um, that they know all, and 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 their systems often, I think, can work. But it's it's often. Everybody sort of fits into this bag, and the same treatment is pretty much prescribed to just about everybody, no matter the malady. Like diabetes, there's a very specific course that the white coat world wants to go down, and and also and and ultimately also incongruent with that, um, people are just lazy now, like. If a doctor suggests, and so this this will, so I've been critical of, of the medical world, but also we live in this day and age now where people are just lazy and they don't want to put in the work. If you have high blood pressure, if you have diabetes, it's a lot easier to just take a pill than to refrain from eating hamburgers and french fries every day or exercising, you know, 10, 15 hours a week. Why do that when you could just pop a pill and continue to saturate your system with um, terrible food? that you're probably addicted to. So it's just this ongoing spiral that just continues to build and build and build. And also, let's face it, the medical world 
is a business. They do want to make money. And I know it's really um, the world of, of, of a lot of these sort of left-leaning media conglomerates want to consider one who criticizes the medical field or thinks of them as a business. One will instantly say that I'm being conspiratorial um, and don't listen to me, but it is a business. They want you to, and again, I don't know if this is nefarious. I don't know if this is intentional. I haven't done as much investigative research as I can, but a lot of new stories have been coming out over the last six months to a year where hospitals were getting particular kickbacks if they were marking down COVID as why patients were in their hospital. If kickbacks are going on, if doctors are making more money, if people are taking prescription medication, we have to question that. If America is one of only two or three countries in the world that allows advertising of pharmaceutical medication on television, we have to maybe consider that that's a bit perplexing. Like, is their intention to make you feel better or is their intention to make dollars? Because I don't think they want people like me who, uh, who hold acupuncturists and herbalists and naturopaths as high up on the pedestal as a doctor. Now, again, if something a little bit serious is happening or if I have a broken bone or a, uh, a tooth that is, that is infected, I am certainly going to go to a doctor. So this is not a one-size-fits-all situation. I'm not suggesting that if there's something potentially serious going on, blood in the urine, uh, you're spitting up blood, I think you should probably go to a doctor. But I'm talking about preventative health, and I'm also talking about taking taking your health into your own hands. Being responsible. Putting in a little bit more effort turning the phone off, and exercising for an hour, not watching that TV show or not watching five shows in a row, but actually maybe just watching two shows, uh, maybe read for an hour, maybe meditate, walk for an hour, or exercise for an hour. All of these actions that we partake in every day collectively add up. And people are surprised at my age, when I tell them, and, I, and I, I haven't done any plastic surgery, I, I simply try to be an active participant and, and be active and eat well every single day. I know there's lots of layers to health. I know we should all be treated differently or our bodies should be looked at differently. It's, it's very complicated. We have genetics to think about. We all have responsibilities. We have bills to pay. It's, it's, I'm certainly not offering you an easy or quick fix. All I'm suggesting is to be open to the idea that other people out there may have very useful information for your mind and your body, and they're not simply just a board-certified physician. So I've been reading this really insightful book. It's a bit dense sometimes, but 
Peter Atia. It might be Atia, but I'll just say Peter Atia. It's it's a bestseller now. It's called Outlive: The Science and Art of Longevity. I'll just be critical at first and say, you know, one issue though that I have with the book is he is suggesting some interesting and and pretty insightful ideas about, you know, different blood tests that you should be asking your doctor for. Uh, because a lot of these blood tests that, that we've gotten over the years, be it for cholesterol, for our prostate, a lot of them are kind of outdated and we could do better. So I, I, on the one hand, I think this book is really helpful and it certainly opened up my eyes to some, to other, uh, to some new ways where I could get a little bit more information about my body and how some blood tests may actually not really be telling me the whole picture. But it also, if you're not careful, and again, this sort of goes to the COVID coverage, if you're not careful, all you're going to be doing is be thinking about your health. And that can also sort of create this constant obsession where all you're doing is thinking about your body. I think in my lineage, there's also sort of this... um, any ache and pain comes up, something must be wrong, or let's immediately just rush to the doctor or get this test or get that test. And I think you sort of need to relax a little bit, you know, let your body heal, see if it can heal on its own, you know, maybe instead of getting the vaccine or, you know, taking this medication or that medication, you get a cold or you get COVID, maybe just rest for a week and stay home and and, and see if your body's immune system can take care of it, take care of itself on its own, because the body is made to heal. So I think we kind of are turning into into these beings where we just immediately rush to the doctor or we take this pill or we have to take this shot. And the body does have this incredible immune system where it can heal on its own. So that's that's a little reminder. So I did want to read this section that Dr. Atiyah, uh, where he speaks about mental health. I think there's a lot here, um, some, some moments here that I want to read to you. This is another realm where medicine 2.0 often falls short. Most therapists diagnose patients based on the Bible of mental health. The DSM is a valiant attempt to organize and codify all of the myriad forms of mental disorders, to scientize it in effect, and also to facilitate insurance reimbursement. But in reality, our stories and our conditions are really unique to each of us. Not all of them fall into tidy diagnostic categories. Everyone is different. Everyone's story is different. No person is a code. Therefore, he believes such a rigorous codification presents an obstacle to actually understanding the person. This is also what makes it difficult to offer blanket advice to everyone about this topic of mental health. Every reader will have their own emotional makeup, their own history, and their own issues to address. Yet one difficulty that we all share is that Medicine 2.0 is set up to treat mental and emotional health in pretty much the same way that it treats everything else. Diagnose, prescribe, and of course, bill. While antidepressants and other psychoactive medications have certainly helped many patients, Finding a complete solution is rarely simple. 
For one thing, this is primarily a disease-based model, which is how Medicine 2.0 addresses and solves other problems, such as infections and acute illnesses. Treat the symptoms and send the patient home. Or if the situation is more serious, send the patient off for a couple of weeks at a place like the bridge and then send them home. Voila, problem solved. One reason this approach has proved less effective in the psychological realm is that mental health and emotional health are not the same thing. Mental health encompasses disease-like states such as clinical depression and schizophrenia, which are complex and difficult to treat, but do present with recognizable symptoms. Here, though, we are more interested in emotional health, which incorporates mental health, but is also much broader and less easy to codify and categorize. Emotional health has more to do with the way we regulate our emotions and manage our relationships. I did not have a mental illness per se, but I did have serious issues with my emotional health that impaired my ability to live a happy, well-adjusted life. Taking care of our emotional health requires a paradigm shift similar to the shift from Medicine 2.0 to Medicine 3.0. We have to be able to recognize potential problems early and be willing to put in hard work to address these problems over a long period of time. And our approach must be tailored to each individual with their unique history and set of issues. Again, parts of it are dense. I've skipped some of it. But there's a lot of information in there. And and I'm actually encouraged that that book is a bestseller right now. Because we need a wake-up call collectively, culturally, in the way that we look at our health. And again, I haven't figured this all out, um, but I think you should spend some time listening to your body, listening to the voices in your head, listening to the aches and pains. Are, are you noticing that you're not particularly flexible? Try and go run this week a mile. Can you do it pretty easily or are you out of breath after maybe half a mile? Are you sore for a week? Maybe try riding your bike for, I don't know, an hour. Try doing 10 push-ups. Try meditating. Try doing yoga. Go to a yoga class. Maybe go to a spa and, and sit in the sauna for like 10, 15 minutes. I've been reading a lot about how ice baths and saunas are really good for our health. You know, being pushed to our limits. We are so coddled now culturally. And on the one hand, that's great that we can have food delivered. We literally can never leave. We could go a week without leaving our house. Everything can be delivered. And on the one hand, that's, that's pretty amazing if you're older or if you are not feeling well, you don't have to leave. But I also think it's making a lot of us lazy. And I think it's, it's making us unaware of our body's potential, and we're also losing touch with our inner voices and and how we feel and the stimuli in the world and how it all impacts our bodies and our mind. It's very complicated. I'll leave you with this. A lot of why I live this way is because when I was in my mid-20s, I was not feeling well again, and then I was being admitted to doctor's offices, and I could see that their method of treating me 
was primarily always going to be the same. You take a pill, but those pills ultimately have side effects. But then ironically, this doctor who was prescri uh, prescribing me medication suggested, thank God, that I go to a therapist. First time that I even thought that maybe, the first time at the age of 24, there was ever a thought that maybe my mind wasn't healthy. It never even occurred to me until the age of 24 that maybe there was something that wasn't right in my outlook of the world, in my confidence, in my anxiety levels. This wasn't about ADHD or serotonin. This was simply about anxiety and my fears. And I never even thought about it. And so then I started going to therapy, and then my therapist suggested that I go to a yoga teacher. And that started giving me the tools that I needed where it wasn't just about going to a doctor all the time. And then that opened up another door where I started thinking about meditation, uh, eating better. I started adding a lot more fruits and vegetables to my diet and a lot more fish. And I started implementing supplements. And then I started going to a chiropractor and I started seeing a homeopath. And, and just recently, like maybe five, six years ago, I started to see an acupuncturist and I really incorporate a lot more exercise into my life. It's, it's this long, probably lifelong process because then you're going to have new injuries that come up. You know, maybe it's it's going to take something traumatic in your life that gets you to think about your body and your mind differently. So if you want to wait for that to happen, I guess that's your prerogative, and that's completely your right. But maybe you want to be a little bit more proactive. Maybe you want to be able to walk and be an active participant until you're 80 or 90 years old. Maybe you want your brain to be fully functioning until you're 90 years old. Look, I think potentially right now, this is the greatest period ever. I mean, this book and the internet, we have access to so many tools where you might not necessarily be as knowledgeable about all the intricacies of the human body as a board-certified physician, but you can come pretty darn close. And I fully guarantee that you know your body better than anybody else. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm, I'm very passionate about health. And I'm, I obviously this, this podcast, not just this episode, but this show was impacted by, I think, my own curiosity and interest in how technology is impacting my brain and how it's impacting my mental health, my confidence level. I mean, sure, we have access to all these. Sure, we have access to all these amazing tools, but once you sort of reach that tipping point and and you sort of become thankful for all the tools, then you realize, okay, so are all of these tools actually good for me? Or maybe we just have to work a little bit harder to manage all of these tools so they feel good in our day to day life. So I just I thought this this episode was really important to to share share a little bit about my process as a human being, as I navigate the world of health. And listen, I, haven't, I don't have it all figured out. Reach out to me on Instagram, social media, and maybe tell me your story about some health hurdle or some alternative modality that you've come across that's really helped you out. I certainly would love to hear about it. You know where to find me online. Please, it would be incredibly helpful to me in the show 
if you head over to Spotify or iTunes or Google Play, give the show a five-star review, maybe even write a review. Please share the show with friends. Um, don't go back to any of my earlier episodes because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> uh, but seriously, there is a big library of amazing episodes, uh, conversation with, conversations with yoga teachers, uh, artists, musicians, singers, pretty amazing guests that I've had on the show. So check them out. That's it for now. I do have some guests lined up over the next month or so. Um, but I truly appreciate you. Thanks as always for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Mm-hmm.